The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today um, we have... A really important show. I say that, I think I might say that about a lot of my shows, if not all of them. But um, for those of you who have been hearing the coverage, and who hasn't, if you if you're not under a rock, you will have heard all the coverage um, of Sandy Hook, the massacre, and Adam Lanza, the shooter, and um, of course an incredible, incredible tragedy that has gotten the nation's attention. It's uh, as I described it in People magazine. I talk about how it. It um, shattered the Norman Norman Rock. I can talk the Norman Rockwell image that we like to have about America. Well, of course, we found out. Um, you know, we're finding out more and more about Adam Lanza, and uh, one of the things, of course, we found out pretty early on, according to his brother. In any case, and I talked about this on a previous show, was um, that that Adam had uh, Asperger's syndrome. Which is now uh, in the DSM. In the, well, will be in the new DSM five um, under the same under autism spectrum. And so, um, of course, unfortunately, that had the effect of causing a lot of people to start thinking. Well, I mean, there was enough of a stereotype with people for people with autism and Aspergers, and of course, this added the the big question mark. Well, are these people all murderers? Uh, should we be scared of them? Should we maybe not let them in our schools? Should we, you know, it caused it caused and is still causing a lot of fear um, of of people with this diagnosis. And as many as much as people like me talk about how that isn't the case, and people with these disorders don't generally kill, and all of that, um, still for a lot of people, the question remains, you know, and probably will until. Until this incident is is buried in time, uh, to some degree. But in any case, um, I was very excited to have my guest on today, Jesse Saperstein, um, when I found out about him, because uh, he debunks the stereotype that uh, all people with autism or Aspergers are killers um, to the nth degree. And he uh, has been diagnosed with Asperger's himself, and he has written a book called Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and a Third Chapters. You've got to love that, that title. And it was published by Penguin, a very uh, prestigious publisher. Actually, they published my first book, Bad Boys. Um, and, um, Jesse, I'm really happy to have you on. And I, you know, I gotta tell you, I started to read this, I'm incredibly busy, <laughs> as you might imagine, and I started to read this book la- last night. 
And I started thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to read the whole book by the interview because I had a lot of stuff to do this morning, too. And um, and I said, well, you know, I'll read the first chapter and the last chapter, and I'm sure he'll be able to talk about what's in the middle. <laughs> but I want you to know that I could not put it down. I hardly slept last night because um, this is really uh, just a, a riveting book. And um, you are so honest, and it is it is funny in parts. It's it's poignant and sad in parts, of course, too. But it gives a real. Uh, this should be required reading for uh, well for anyone who has still has questions about uh, whether people with Aspergers are murderers, but also just for people in college, like psychology classes in college, college psychology classes, um, or graduate school classes, or uh, or certainly certainly for people with Asperger's so that they can realize that they're not alone. And I know that's part of what you, what you try to do to help other people with this diagnosis. So, so anyway, welcome to the show. We're going to be talking um, toward, in the second half of the show. I'm going to be talking with Jesse about uh, his anti-bullying campaign and about Sandy Hook and what he's doing. Um, he's, he's, um, he has started a campaign to help the victims of Sandy Hook We'll talk about that, and I also I'm going to want to ask you about um, how that whole incident has affected your life and what you think about Adam Lanza and your take on him and so on. Uh, but we'll do that in the second half of the show. In the first half, I want you to talk about uh, some of the highlights of your book, whatever you consider highlights. And, and why don't you start with why you wrote this book? Uh, the reason I wrote a typical Dr. Lieberman was to as you said, debunk a lot of the stereotypes, stigmas, and, of course, the myths about Asperger's. And I wanted to do it as funny as possible so that hopefully the neurotypical or non-autistic public would get a few good laughs and in the process become educated. And also, I had a very rough post-college experience. Um, a lot of that was due to Asperger's and some was due to my lack of maturity at the time but I wanted to uh, rectify the situation by uh, kind of embarking on this career path to be a published author and a public orator. Yes, and, you know, it's so amazing because, um, I mean, so many people, um, some neurotypicals, <laughs> would, um, would love to have be a published, be able to say that they're a published author. And, uh, and with all the struggles that you've had to go through, um, you you managed to do that. Well, you know, as a psychiatrist, and yes, that was the only part that I. W- <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll forgive you, but I must say, um, I I was not very happy with the part, the chapter about uh, uh, where you express your dislike. It was honest, but it, you express oh. your dislike of psychiatrists, especially Sigmund Freud. Do you know? I mean, I'm sure you don't know, but well, maybe you do because you mentioned that you had read my website um i studied with anna freud the daughter of sigmund freud and um in her in her child clinic in in england and and in my residency at bellevue i was very much involved supervised by um by supervisors from the new york psychoanalytic institute because and to this day that is the way that I think is the best way to understand the human mind and the human and human behavior. I, I do come from a Freudian perspective. Um, so, <laughs> well, I, so some of that. I, I knew that I knew that chapter would come back to haunt me someday, Doctor Lieberman. 
uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I would have loved to have you as a psychologist when I was a child. You would have helped me a great deal, but I should clarify that the reason for this, uh, these feelings is because back then nobody knew about Asperger's. Mm-hmm. People barely knew it existed, and it was not even recognized as a disability until 1994. So uh, on that note, when I went to a therapist as a child, uh, the therapist always tried to get me to let go and move on, and that's not so easy because of having Asperger's. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's not easy for anyone to to just you know when people just say that uh, it's time to time to move on. Forget all that bad stuff that exactly, happened to yeah. you. <laughs> As a therapist, when people tell you just forget about it or let it go, does it make you want to just let it go, or does it make you want to hold on a little bit harder? Well, I mean, the thing is that the only way that people are able to let go is by talking about all these painful experiences ad nauseum in therapy. I mean, you you need to be crying and laughing and being angry and expressing all those feelings from the um, incidents that happen that are still painful, like for you, for example, some of the bullying incidents. Um, And the only way to really do that is by talking about them again and again, and and, and that's cut short if a therapist says, well, you know, like, we've talked about this enough, just just forget about it. These are bad things. We don't want to remember that. Because the mind, the unconscious mind, um, does remember all these things. You can't turn it off and say just, you know, because you want to, because it's not fun to keep remembering these painful memories. You can't just tell your unconscious, forget about it, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Um, you, you need to process it by talking and talking and talking about it and understanding it and getting, you know, to the root of all these feelings and so on. And that's when, um, by, by processing it in therapy, that's when these things uh, take on less of a strong, um, painful uh, memory. You know, it's, it's, you, you dilute the memory uh, to some degree. You, you calm it down by, by processing all these feelings. So let's, let's start from your childhood. You are 30 years old now, is that right? Yes, I'll be 31 April 2nd. Okay. So um, just to give people a context. So start from, um, well, you start in the book with your, with your first memory at two and a half of the birth of your sister, um, who presumably you've had sibling rivalry throughout your life. <laughs> yes, very much so, like last weekend perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, I start off talking about how uh, back then people just thought that Asperger's was a, was a character flaw, and uh, my mother and father did not really know what to do with me. I would always have major problems during transitional periods, new schools and new life phases. It always caused everything to flare up with a vengeance, and then everything would just suddenly die down, and there was no need for psychiatric intervention, uh, medication, and it gave my mother and father more incentive to linger in denial and say, see, it's just a phase. There's nothing wrong with Jesse. Yes. Well, did people, um, now back then, though, there was the diagnosis of autism known. Did, did anybody, I mean, how old were you when, I, I think you mentioned that um, when you went to school is when teachers started questioning. I mean, that's usually how it happens. Teachers started 
asking your parents about, um, you know, what was wrong with you, basically. What grade was that? I'd say it was as far back as preschool. I'd and I was, I was actually sent to a neurologist who diagnosed me as having autism-like tendencies. But my mother and father were in denial back then. They said, autism, that's not Jesse. Jesse talks. He's affectionate. Um, he's, I don't know, gregarious. What's she talking about? So they just uh, dismissed her as a, a quack, and they moved on. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. she kind of knew what she was talking about. Yes, e- yes. Even but... in this... Oh, I see, I hear music. Yes, that's the signal that we, we need to take a break. Um, well, we do, unfortunately, but we will be back. My guest is Jesse Saperstein. He is the author of Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and a Third Chapters. And uh, we'll be right back. We're talking about autism, Asperger's, stereotype debunked. Not all are killers. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Here today with Jesse Saperstein talking about uh, autism, Asperger's, stereotype debunked, not all are killers. And he, of course, is the prime example of not only someone who's not a killer, but also a best-selling author, a published author by a well-known publisher. So um, why don't you talk about one of the, I mean, it was, it was incredibly poignant and incredibly uh, brave um, of you to talk about 
some of the things that happened starting in school, of course, you know, that's the cruelest time when you were bullied, and particularly in regard to, um, well, you know, behaviors that you had, and particularly in regard to uh, girls who you tried to get to like you. Uh, yes. Uh, I think uh, I'd say the biggest bullying occurred during those transitional periods, and I was very fortunate as a child. I had teachers and peers who did show mercy, compassion. I once in a while had friends, but when the bullying was bad, it was as bad as it could possibly get and worse. And I could drone on about all the horrible instances of bullying, but I want to focus on something uh, that's actually associated with the relatively new term known as catfishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you and your viewers are familiar with that, right? Yes, yes, Manti Teo. Yes, I was just thinking of him recently, and that story resurrected a lot of very painful memories that are usually at the surface. Um, I was a victim of catfishing when I was in uh, 11th grade, and it, it extended for six months until my senior year. Um, with catfishing, you're contacted by someone pretending to be a romantic partner. Sometimes the person wants money. Uh, um, other times it's just because of uh, blatant cruelty, and the latter was the case with me. Um, I communicated with a young lady, and we developed a very intense online relationship. And the thing with catfishing is the person always has an excuse as to why they're, they're not able to meet you or why they have to cancel plans. And usually it's because of some bizarre medical emergency. And um, what happened to Mon Manti Teo was very similar. And uh, my, my heart just broke for him when I heard about his uh, instance of bullying because, as you saw, whenever uh, somebody goes through this, the first thing people say is, how could you have fallen for this? Uh, how could you have been duped? And when you, but when this happened to you in 11th grade, I mean, you, the term wasn't even around then. You didn't know, I mean, this was way before Manti Teo. You didn't know that this phenomenon existed. That's right. Uh, I don't even think they called it cyberbullying back then. Mm -hmm. That was back in 1999, at least 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so, so tell us what happened. So you, uh, I was contacted by a, a young lady who I had never heard of before or met, and she said her name was Liz. So we started communicating, and um, all of a sudden the communication just stopped. She severed all contact with me. And because I have Asperger's, I was not letting go so easily. So I, I sent constant emails over and over again. And finally she replied and she said, the reason I've not been in touch with you is because I was at a party over the summer. Somebody slipped me a date rape drug, and as a result, I'm now pregnant. And back then, I think they did it to kind of diffuse the situation that was escalating out of control. And well, wait a minute, wait. Uh, let me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but... But you did meet her one, well, you met a girl one time who pretended to be Liz. Yes, I'm very glad you mentioned that. I, I should have mentioned that I did actually meet a girl pretending to be this Liz character. They were so desperate to trick me that they actually set up a meeting with a fake girl. And there were many people involved with this, this prank. And, uh, you know, it's, um, they did a very good job of making sure everything made sense. Yes, and you said she was really beautiful, and she was sitting next to this girl 
and she said that she knew you from school or she saw you at school you and you had never seen her before but she was sitting next to she was with a girl who you did know from school who had been one of the people who bullied you um so what did it turn out uh i mean so so obviously that girl who was not nice to you all the time um was in on this prank and and i guess they got her to go with this unknown girl who pretended to be liz Yes, I I was kind of uh, skeptical, but when you want something bad enough, you kind of ignore all those red flags. Yeah. And when you think about it, there were many red flags, and I'm sure that Manti Teo can think of a lot of things that did not make sense. But right. these people really know what they're doing, and I'd like us to get to the point in our culture where we can very much go after these cyberbullying and catfishing crimes with a vengeance. And unfortunately, there's uh, not too much you can do when it happens from somebody in another country. Uh, you know, that's just uh, out of our hands. I, I think the rule is don't get involved with a, a person from a foreign country. You know, there's a lot of people in America who are just as good. Well, okay, but this girl, what? These people were in America. This was in New York. <laughs> yeah, but back then, uh, Dr. Lieberman, we were not able to address things like cyberbullying. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Well. And, uh, but even uh, even today, it's it's really hard, regardless of where the person lives. I mean, but didn't you say so? So this the group of kids who were who had set this up got you report. Oh yes, yes, you really had this clever. You found out who one of the people was, right? Yes. It will tell us about that. Um, I basically uh, did exactly the same thing that they did to me. I I contacted them on a different screen name and. I tricked them into admitting what they did to me over six months. So I was able to have them disciplined by my school district. But as I said, they were not able to receive any kind of formal punishment because in those days, if something happened outside of school, it was out of their hands, basically. Yes, yes. Okay, and so... um, Love life in general, I mean, one of the reasons why you were so vulnerable, wanted to believe so badly that Liz was real, was because you were having a hard time in reality getting dates, getting girls to go out with you and like you and so on. That is correct. Uh, I refer to uh, the world of online dating as the land of fantastical rejection over and over again. So uh, romantic... uh, Struggles are very common with somebody who has Asperger's, and you're right. I uh, I was I wanted it so bad that I was blind to all of you know common sense. Yeah. So uh, my uh, romantic life these days is obviously a little bit easier than high school, but I still struggle with uh, things like rejection and and hearing uh, the hidden signals with somebody who has Asperger's. If a woman says to them, "Well," uh, Maybe sometime we can go out. Just give me a call in a few weeks. A neurotypical person will understand uh, through the intonation patterns that that's basically a nice rejection. But somebody with Asper- with Asperger's will call in a few weeks. Yes, yes. Um, well, and, and I, it was interesting. You talk about losing your virginity in sort of a unique way. I mean, after all these struggles huh. with rejection... Tell us about that. I mean, that was an interesting, uh, it seemed to sort of come out of the blue. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, uh, that story. Uh, um, 
Well, yes, uh, I, I <laughs> You're on think... Dr. Carol's couch. Yes, I'm going to ask you about virginity and all that kind of stuff. You wrote about it. <laughs> That's right. My life is an open book. <laughs> yes. I'm, just, uh, I'm just very impressed because you're the first uh, media person who's ever asked me about it on the air. So good for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to tell you that story. I have this theory that uh, for every instance of horrible luck, uh, a little piece of uh, good luck is stored in some fantastical pouch in uh, the universe. So uh-huh. all of that rejection uh, was turned around when I met this, this nice woman named Linda, which is not her real name, of course. Uh, I did not want to get sued, but I was 22 years old at the time, and Linda was 40, so there was an 18-year age difference. And she was an English teacher at a high school, so we started uh, going on hikes together in, uh, in my hometown and you know uh, things led to another and we started dating for a summer so and that was not the first time I was with a woman I met somebody in Bath England but that was my first girlfriend who I actually had a an actual relationship with mhm so, and that um, gave you confidence to after Linda to pursue exactly. other relationships if one woman could you know, find something worthwhile to enjoy and not find you too weird, then it gave you the confidence that there would be other women that would do the same. Not just with Linda, but any woman who was uh, kind enough to give me a chance to hang out with her in public, my high school prom date, who was very beautiful. These little tidbits of confidence Mm. uh, made a huge difference throughout my life. And I'm hoping that many of my peers are just as lucky and you're right, it, it gave me hope that there would be other women who could enjoy a relationship with me and not just see the superficial qualities. Yes, and so then, um, so you went to college, and um, what happened afterwards? You alluded to, you know, life after college. I mean, that's always a difficult time because it, there's no structure anymore. At college, you're supposed to take classes and pass tests and all of that, and then college is over. And uh, and you're kind of out in the world. So then what happened? It, it did not start off that way. Uh, at first, uh, life after college was a fantasy. Uh, I, I had my first girlfriend my entire life. Uh, I was intimate on a regular basis. And furthermore, I for the first time in my entire life, I did not have to go to school every day. And I was earning more money than I had in my entire life. And then I hiked the Appalachian Trail. Uh, I'm not sure if you read about that chapter. Well, go ahead. You can tell. I, um, immediately after college, I started preparing for a hike of the Appalachian Trail. And uh, it's not as long as the Pacific Crest Trail, which actually goes through California, but it, it goes from Georgia to Maine, and it's 2,174 miles. So to make a long story short, I hiked for seven months and nine days, over $19,000 was raised for a Pediatric AIDS Foundation. So uh, in addition to uh, enjoying life after college, I was treated as a celebrity. But that pretty much went downhill uh, immediately after I finished. Uh, I had to get used to being an adult with Asperger's, not just an individual, but a full-blown adult. And I'm wondering if you have any questions about that. I don't want to keep talking. It's your well, show. <laughs> well, actually, neither one of us can keep talking because I just heard the music. But so we can, we'll, we'll start again in the next segment. 
Um, so we do need to take another break. My guest is Jesse Saperstein. His book is Atypical, Life with Asperger's in 20 and a Third Chapters. We're talking about autism, Asperger's, stereotype debunked. Not all are killers, and obviously you can all hear that for yourself. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer, and someday you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Clip has spent three decades learning how to win at the dream home game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Clip help save you money and make you a winner. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here with Jesse Saperstein, fascinating young man who... Um, has written a fabulous book that um, we will that I keep mentioning. Atypical life with Asperger's in twenty and a third chapters because we. I would love you all to read it. It's it's really you know as I said it kept me up all night um, because I couldn't put it down. So Jesse, you were in the middle of saying talking about. Well, I wanted to go back to your mentioning that you had hiked the Appalachian Trail, and I would like you to tell everyone why you did that. Uh, most people perform this hike during a transitional period, and in my case, I had no idea what I was going to do after college, so it made sense just to walk aimlessly from Georgia to Maine, and the other, the other main reason I did it is because I wanted to make a humanitarian contribution to this Pediatric AIDS Foundation, and the reason the Appalachian Trail is so important is because a lot of the criticisms and uh, negative stereotypes were actually an asset during the hike itself. I hiked because I was eccentric and because there's an inability to let go. So that uh, that need to get to the next phase uh, was really valuable, where that does not always work with other human beings, but it works when you uh, have that destination in mind. But after the hike ended, 
I learned how to be an adult with Asperger's, and that was extremely traumatic. And there were little resources back then to help me. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you if you know this, but I wanted to be a teacher after college. That's what I studied, and uh, I even taught in a special needs school. But it did not go so well when I would stand in front of a class and make comments about Eva Longoria or answer my cell phone and do other kinds of uh, crazy things that seemed benign, but in this day and age, they don't fly too well in a public school. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had to train myself to talk different, uh, to, to monitor what comes out of my mouth, and I've done this by kind of putting myself in situations where I don't belong, such as working in a funeral home where, where you have to watch yourself every microsecond and walk on eggshells covered with poison. Yes, to not offend the, the mourners. Um, I have an expression, Dr. Lieberman, when you have only two extremes to choose from, you need to go for the one that's a little less extreme. So uh, there's the option of going through my life uh, being terminated because of my inappropriate behavior or kind of being the square peg grinding its way into a round hole. Whenever somebody tells me, you don't belong here or this is not a good fit for you, I always say, I know that. That's the whole point. Mm, mm. So, um, uh, you know, uh, that's another reason why I, I defend my inability to let go. That is why I succeeded in the funeral home as well as elsewhere, because I wanted bad enough and there was an inability to move on. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, uh, I mean, there, you know, this book is just, we're, it's so fascinating, and there are so many uh, incidents and m- moments in your life that you go into, and obviously we can't cover them all in this hour, and we don't want to anyway, because then people wouldn't buy the book. <laughs> so let's talk about Sandy Hook and Adam Lanza. Um, when, when Sandy Hook happened, what, um, what was your first reaction? My first reaction, of course, was, that's so terrible. Who would do such a thing? Murder uh, 22 children and four unarmed women. Uh, so uh, the first reaction was utter shock. And then I had to come to terms with the fact that Adam Lanza also could have had Asperger's. And uh, a lot of people are denying this, uh, especially those in the autism community. Uh, but I'm one of the few people who's acknowledging it because the fact is that if I did not know about this mass shooting if I just heard about his childhood and looked at his photograph. He looks like he has the deer in the headlights look. I would have come to the conclusion immediately that he could also have Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like you, my passion has become uh, defending and advocating for the Asperger's population and showing the whole world, that's not us, that's not me, that's an abomination. Yes. Now, what about, and this may be, I may be treading on uh, uh, thorny, I don't know, um, eggshells. I may be treading on something, I'm not quite sure how you're going to answer this because it really wasn't clear from your book. You do mention, I mean, I've been talking a lot, well, I've been, all, for years, I've been talking um, as an activist against violent media and particularly against um, violent video games. And I said from day one, uh, in the media, uh, that um, Adam Lanza must have been obsessed and addicted to vi- violent video games. And I said that because um, of how he shot 
his mother and the children, well, he shot his mother in the head, and he shot the children um, with with many bullets, you know, a, a rain of bullets, um, not just not just shooting each one, and the kind the kind of way that you would shoot in a video game, and um, and also because you know it had it it came out that um, well I mean it eventually came out that he was in the basement playing video games, but um, for and that he was obsessed with them. But I had said that from the beginning. W- one because there are countless studies for years, decades that show that the more violent media you consume, the more likely you are to become aggressive, uh, regardless of any diagnosis, just in general, anybody, even uh, neurotypicals. Um, and and um, just the way that he exploded and, and so on. This was, it had all the characteristics of someone who had been obsessed with playing violent video games. And, of course, now it's, you know, now they're finally saying the police are, you know, it's coming out more and more that, yes, he had been. Um, so what is your now you mentioned playing video games in in your book but you don't mention exactly what kind and it doesn't seem like you were doing it a lot but what what did you think um when you heard that he spent his his life primarily being in the basement um playing violent video games and it, and of course recently it's just come out that he's copied uh, he he the man from Norway was his hero, um, but you know, obviously, that was went hand in hand with playing these violent video games. So, what do you think about all of that? Um, there were violent video games when I was young in the 1990s, of course. But I still grew up with uh, the silly games like Super Mario Brothers, jumping yeah. on each other's heads. So, yeah. I, I think that they're more realistic these days, uh, more graphic, and in his case. Violent video games did not help, but obviously you know there was a lot more to it than that. So um, there's a lot of things to be villainized, not just violent video games, but it was the fact that he was in his basement all day playing them with no life, uh, no uh, no goals, aimless. So that obviously became his reality, and he was desensitized to the act of shooting somebody, especially a small child. Yes. And it's uh, not everyone with Asperger's who plays video games all day is going to become a violent sociopath, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that uh, this kind of lifestyle is uh, unhealthy, and it it does lead to uh, things like suicides once in a while. So um, I think we, we have to find pathways for people with Asperger's to procure employment, and not make it so easy to achieve disability benefits. Because even though I don't know anyone like Adam Lanza, I do know a few people with Asperger's who basically have a life of uh, aimlessness, playing computer games all day. Mm-hmm. And what did you think about his relationship with his mother? I think all I know is from the media, and obviously uh, the media... Uh, only tells one side of the story once in a while, but it sounds like his mother just accepted how he was, uh, whereas my family would uh, uh, kind of imprint a, a boot f- a footprint on my uh, right butt cheek or something. Uh, so it sounds like uh, his mother just let him play games all day, and uh, she was not really pushing him to get a job. And uh, I, I'm not really sure what the relationship was, but it sounds very unhealthy, volatile. 
Well, yes, and, and you make a good point that, I mean, in your family, um, even though you, oh, we didn't really talk about this, that you were, you were finally diagnosed when you were 14 with Asperger's, right? That's correct. And, um, see, I did read the book. <laughs> um, and, uh, and your parents, um, really, I mean, yes, they were in denial about the diagnosis for a while, especially at the beginning, but at the same time, they encouraged you, obviously, to have dreams and to pursue dreams and to, um, uh, to have a productive life, whereas it doesn't apparently seem like um, Adam Lance's mother was doing that. You know, she, she seemed to be content to just, to just uh, especially after the divorce, it seemed like um, she was just content to have him be there in the house, kind of a companion of sorts. And and it's so interesting because at the beginning, um, the very beginning, I I did a television interview the day after this occurred, and we at that time they thought that she was a teacher at the school, and so I talked about how I thought that Adam was jealous of her relationship with the kids, and uh, like he felt competitive with them, and as it turned out, she wasn't a teacher, but she did apparently volunteer there at times, which so you know I do think that he was jealous of that, but then it, now it's coming out that she um, may have had a boyfriend, her first boyfriend since her, his parents' divorce, and that he was jealous of this boyfriend. So it did all, you know, it, it all made sense. He was jealous of losing his mother's love and attention, and he was was obsessed with these games and practiced shooting day in and day out, and she kept real guns in the same basement. It, you know, it's just, it was just a nightmare waiting to happen, and it, and it ultimately did. So tell us about um, what you're doing, um, your campaign to help the victims of Sandy Hook. Um, my campaign is sli- it's slightly unusual, but I have faith that it could come to fruition. Uh, I'd like to send the uh, victims of Sandy Hook to Disney World uh, on a vacation before the end of the school year, and um, that idea has been met with controversy, but... I'm kind of confident that the public will respond and they'll understand the intentions behind it. You know, a, a child should not have to worry about being murdered along with their classmates. A child should be dreaming about Christmas and Disney World. So that is my goal, and I think that nowadays it's more important because this is when everyone starts to move on and uh, Sandy Hook has become a poster child for uh, the Second Amendment, either against or for it. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can change the uh, the direction elsewhere and think more toward the victims and those left behind. Well, so, okay, and how are you going about trying to raise funds to send them to Disneyland? I was hoping that you'd ask that. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I do not have a fund set up uh, that would come to fruition hopefully in the near future because this is how the Asperger's affects me. When I proposed this idea to my family and even my media consultants, they immediately uh, were up in arms and saying, this is a terrible idea, Jesse. Uh, people will think you're, you're stealing. They'll think it's inappropriate because, as you know, in this day and age, uh, when one of these when a tragedy happens, a lot of fundraisers yes. come out the woodwork, and yes. a few of them are scams. Yes. So uh, ideally it would be great if um, the district set something up where funds could be funneled, uh, funneled legitimately 
and um, you know, well, people could see where the money was going. Yes. Okay. Hold that thought. Um, I'm hearing the music again. We do need to take another break. This time is going really quickly, but we'll get back to you and back to uh, back to your uh, goal. My um, guest is Jesse Saperstein. Again, his book is called Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and a Third Chapters. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, Tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about autism and Asperger's stereotype debunked. Not all are killers, and obviously... Uh, talking with Jesse Saperstein, who is, has been diagnosed with uh, Asperger's since the time he was 14. Um, not to say that he didn't have it before, but uh, people didn't know about it in those days. Um, and we were talking about your um, goal of trying to send the people from Sandy Hook to, uh, to Disneyland. Was it Disneyland or Disney World? Disney World. Disney World, yes, that's closer to... <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's a great idea, and I think that you should pursue it. Um, I know it is hard sometimes in when tragedies happen and the town gets barraged. It's interesting. The, the town gets barraged at the beginning, and then people, you know, as people uh, move on to the next thing, um, then, then unfortunately a lot of times the victims of a tragedy are forgotten. But... Um, 
uh, I want to make sure that you give out a way for people who are listening to this show to be able to contact you and follow this progression. Uh, we'll follow your progression and follow the progression of this particular goal. So you, off the air, you were starting to say um, people can contact you on Facebook? Yes, I think I'm only one out of three Jesse Saperstein's in the universe. And okay. uh, I'm very easy to find on Facebook, or you can email me at Jesse a saperstein at gmail dot com okay so, uh, um, and, and you're let me wondering spell, uh, how oh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i uh, just want to spell um, I, I want to spell your name because jesse is j e s s e j e s s e it's um, jesse a saperstein s a p e r s t e i n at gmail dot com yes that's correct and my website is www dot jessiesaperstein.com Okay. And so I want to do I want to direct people to both of those places, uh well all three of those places, Facebook also, so you can follow Jesse's progress because um because you've really what is what is uh now that you've done this book <laughs> What is your next goal? And I and you want to help? Um, you you have the goal in regard to Sandy Hook, but what else are you doing? That's a great question. Right now, I am working on my second book for Penguin Group USA, and that's going to be a book about transitions, how to survive them, practical advice for individuals on the autism spectrum, and huh. uh, most important, a chance to learn from my um, my, my rocky times and kind of. Uh, I think of myself as the ghost of Jacob Marley from The Christmas Carol. I want people to learn from me and give themselves more of a fighting chance than I had. So, uh, And my other goal is to hike the Pacific Crest Trail from, from Mexico to Canada someday. And you're uh, also, you're, you also do things already working with um, children with Asperger's and work. you have an anti-bullying campaign. Tell us about that. Um, I have a campaign called Free Falling to End Bullying in 2012. Actually, it's not 2012. It's just Free Falling to End Bullying. But I actually jump out of a plane to make my point. I went skydiving for the first time in August 2011. So um, I had people with Asperger's, young kids, talk about being bullied and uh, reveal their diagnosis to the world. That can be found on YouTube by typing "free falling to end bullying" or my name, Jesse Saperstein. Yeah. And also, I want to work with New York City. I'm working with NYU on a campaign called "Keeping It Real," so that will hopefully create an anti-bullying class in the middle of New York City. Well, you know, yes, this this problem of bullying just. Um... It just gets worse and worse and more prevalent every day, not just cyberbullying, but, um, I mean, I, I don't know if you heard about a week or two ago, there was a young woman named Ashley, um, I don't remember her last name, actually, but she was a fashion, a fashion designer, and she um, committed suicide. On the, didn't you hear, being on the East Coast, didn't you hear about this? She jumped off the George Washington Bridge. She had yes, been bullied heard by... About that. You know about that? Uh-huh. Uh, um, I, I have the privilege of giving a speech with a, a supermodel named Farah Zuklaya, and she speaks of uh, bullying in the fashion industry mm. and how cutthroat it is. Mm. Yes, well, this 
poor girl um, was being bullied by four other girls, and uh, it started having to do with one of the girls. With, it started over a boyfriend, um, but these girls were emailing her hateful uh, uh, comments and so on, and, and uh, ultimately. She and she. What's interesting is she jumped off the George Washington Bridge because she was trying to make the statement that it was just like um, the college boy who had jumped off the George Washington Bridge after his roommate uh, spied on him having a gay uh, encounter, and she purposely chose that same bridge to try to make the point of of how why she did it was due to the same kind of bullying. Yes, Tyler Clemente. Yes, thank you. Um. I in my day, uh, bullying actually uh, more recent than than you think. Bullying was seen as a rite of passage, something to be accepted, or even worse, a self-inflicted consequence brought on by the victim themselves. And now we know it's deadly. As if there wasn't enough bullying going on, I read recently that now there's bullying of kids who have food allergies. You know, like waving peanuts in front of people's faces. Uh, what will they think of next? Yes, it's really sad how uh, how hurt and angry um, so many people in in the world are, feeling powerless because of so much that's going on in the world. And obviously, bullying doesn't help. And you you write about that um, about how bullies are really cowards and so on. And I I wrote about that in my coping with terrorism. Dreams Interrupted book, I talk about Osama bin Laden being uh, the ultimate bully and and how terrorists are, are bullies, essentially. Uh, big bullies, <laughs> lethal bullies, nonetheless bullies. Um, and I want to, we're kind of coming to, uh, to the end, and I want to make sure that I can give out all these places again that people can can reach you. So again, his the spelling of Jesse's name is J-E-S-S-E, then middle initial A, Saperstein, S-A-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. So Jesse, Jesse Saperstein, is it com or jessieasaperstein.com? My website is just jessiesaperstein.com. Okay. But my email is jessieasaperstein at gmail.com, and that's okay. one word. Okay, good. Cleared that up. Well, I, I wish you all the best. I think what you're doing is really important, and you are an incredible role model, not just for um, people with autism or Asperger's, but uh, just in, in 30 seconds, after um, Sandy Hook, did you experience personally any increase in people stereotyping you or being afraid of you, calling you a killer, thinking you're a killer? Not directly to me, but uh, the, the reality is, that people care about self-preservation, so they cave into their own irrational fears. I have this theory that we should confront problems that could occur, even if they're not potent yet. So I advise everybody to jump on the the bandwagon and show that there's so much more to Asperger's than the atrocity in Newtown, Connecticut. Yes, very... Very wise words, and I'm sure you're trying to get, um, you're helping to mentor other people with Asperger's and autism to try to get them to be as successful as you are, and that's fabulous. And that's correct. And one more thing, the best way to overcome your difficulties is to have something to strive for. And even though most people are not going to become Adam Lanza, I have an expression, uh, 
idle hands are the devil's workshops. So when you have something to fight for, then things start to change. Yes, absolutely. And there certainly are a lot of things that people should be fighting for in this uh, mixed-up world. Well, Jesse, this has been fabulous. Again, um, the book, I really encourage all of you to, to buy, buy this book, read this book. It kept me up all night. I couldn't put it down. Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and a third chapters. And he has um, testimonials in here from all kinds of people, including Sigourney Weaver and Bruce Altman, who um, Jesse had met. And Sigourney Weaver had won an award um, from the As- an Asperger's uh, organization for, but she had played it. What was the movie again that she played someone with Asperger's in? Snow Cake. Uh huh. I-, I didn't see that movie, but I'm sure I'm sure it was obviously really good, or she wouldn't have gotten the award. Very accurate, right? It's a great movie, and most people do not even know about it. Um, but it's, it's funny. Sigourney said to me. I think that everyone in Hollywood has Asperger's with all the nail-biting, hand-flapping, and stimming that goes on during a Hollywood board meeting. Yes, I thought that, I thought that was very funny, and, and there is truth to that. <laughs> well, Jesse, thank you so much um, for joining me on Dr. Carol's Couch. I wish you all the best. What you're doing is so important, particularly now, and I also... Um, Again, I, I hope that you'll all go to his the various uh, social media um, uh, sites and so on that we mentioned, and his and and email him. And um, I hope that you can get this uh, goal. I think it's a, I think it would be fabulous to send all the kids from uh, Sandy Hook and their families to um, to Disney World. I mean, I think that they could use a <laughs> something like that to brighten up the school year after everything that they've been through. So again, um, I started to say that, and, and this is great, you're doing a second book, um, and, and it's true that all of the things that you talk about in this book, um, you know, having to go through some of the things that, that neurotypicals have to go through, but with your extra symptoms and struggles, you're certainly able to tell people how to, how to survive some of these things. I mean, not just people with Asperger's or autism, but, but neurotypicals, as you call them, because you've gone through it with one hand tied behind your back, so to speak. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.